Thank you. Really is great to see you. Will you join me? Let's welcome all those in Kingsgate, London, and Leicester, and Cambridge, Cafe Church, all of those watching online, as we continue this series called The Beauty of a Transformed Life, where across all our locations and all our age groups, we're looking at inviting Jesus to do a deeper work in our lives. And today, it's my privilege to continue on this whole theme of living in freedom. How many want to be freer than you are right now? Fantastic. Well, when we look at freedom, we need to realize that it's first an upfront gift that we receive when we become Christians. Then having received Christ, we go on an ongoing process or journey of freedom, uh, preparing us for the age to come when we're going to enjoy total freedom and what a glorious day that will be. For those of you who are tracking with the Life Group videos, you'll have heard Karen and I share something of the absolute wonder and joy that we experienced when we first came to Christ, that sense of liberty, knowing that our sins have been forgiven, that we were righteous, we were new creations, we were a son and daughter of the living God. Are you still excited about your salvation, what Jesus has done? It's an incredible gift. I love how Karen described when she first became a Christian and that that revelation of becoming a daughter of the King of Kings. She used the phrase like the whole world was her oyster. You know, there's that sense of excitement we get when we first become Christians. But in our lives, we were very uh, conscious that there was still a whole bunch of stuff that Jesus needed to deal with. And so uh, decades later, he is still working in us, freeing us. In fact, I would say in the last 18 months, I've experienced God probably do more in setting me free in areas of my life I didn't even know I needed to be free from than maybe any other time since I became a Christian. So anyone else still on the journey? Well, if you haven't yet started the journey of freedom, you haven't yet received Christ, then at the end of the message, uh, there'll be an opportunity for you to do that. But for the rest of us, let's invite the Holy Spirit to take us on a deeper journey of freedom. And as we do so, we're going to look again at the Apostle Peter. He's a great example of somebody who goes on a journey of freedom. When he first encountered Christ, Jesus Um, spoke over him, you're a rock. But then for the next three and a half years, we see Peter display um, many unrock-like tendencies. Um, You know, finally hitting rock bottom. I was better than that. When he denied Jesus three times before the crucifixion. But aren't you glad that wasn't the end of the story? Jesus wasn't finished because Jesus didn't stay dead, but three days later, he rose from the dead. And then he began to appear to his disciples on a number of occasions, including the story that we're going to be looking at today, which is John chapter 21. And here we see Jesus coming to the disciples, particularly to Peter, to, if you like, free him in a present challenge he was facing He came to free him from that past failure to move on, and he came to free him to live in his future destiny. So that's what we're going to look at, how Jesus can come and change our lives, free us um, in the present, from our past, and for the future. So first thing uh, we were going to look at is Jesus frees us to overcome our present challenges. How many right now are facing some challenges? You know, it's part of, isn't it, just doing life. It's part of the fact that we live 
in a fallen world. We face challenges all the time. There's two ways of doing life, of, of tackling challenges, and I've tried them both ways. First is we can try and, as it were, try and overcome challenges on our own, in our own strength. Have you tried that? And no, that's not a good way to go. The second is that we can acknowledge we're in a fallen world, but that Jesus is alive and he's here by his spirit and he wants to help us and free us to live life God's way and not to be limited by a lot of what we see around us. And this is what we see in John chapter 21. Peter decides, he's probably had, a, had enough of waiting for Jesus to appear again, so he decides to go fishing. Good old Peter. And he goes out and says, let's go fishing. And six of the other disciples say, okay, we'll come with you. So here these experienced fishermen go out um, on the uh, Lake Galilee. And it says, so they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, catching nothing as a fisherman was bad news. It meant it affected their livelihood. By the way, I think being a fisherman might be quite fun, wouldn't it? Trawling in big fish. But doing fishing as a hobby, I mean, how boring is that? <laughs> Can I say, if any of you do fishing as a hobby, I will personally pray for you afterwards to set you free. I can't imagine anything more boring. Anyway, it probably says a lot about me more than it does about you. But anyway, here they are, they're going out and they're, they're catching nothing. And this was, a, this was a real problem because if you're a fisherman and fish is your livelihood, to catch nothing is not just, oh, that was a bad day. If this had continued, this would have been a crisis. Now, it's important to realize that the fact that they were fishing doesn't mean they would necessarily do anything wrong. Commentators sometimes say, oh, well, you know, they're disobeying Jesus. No, I think they're just waiting for when Jesus comes next and they're doing what they need to do. They need to go and earn some money. They need to get some food. So they go out and do fishing. But into that situation, they experience something of the frustration and the lack and the failure that, if we're honest, we often experience as human beings, don't we? If I was to ask you a question, what's the number one challenge that you're facing right now? Is it a challenge maybe in your work or in your finances or with friends or family or you're struggling with your marriage or you know, raising your kids or looking after elderly parents. Where do you feel is your greatest challenge? Where do you feel maybe you're struggling? Things aren't working. Well, I've got good news for you. You don't have to face that challenge alone because Jesus is alive and 24-7 he is present by his spirit and he wants to help you. He wants to come into that situation. He wants to free you to overcome even in the toughest of life's challenges. Amen. Yeah, isn't he good? And this is what he did for Peter and his friends. They're out there. They've come back. They've caught nothing. And then they see a, a figure on the shore. And interestingly, even though it's the risen Jesus who they've already seen before, they still don't recognize him. We read it says the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. Now, now, pause for a moment. If the disciples didn't actually recognize Jesus physically standing there, maybe it's no surprise that sometimes we fail to recognize, or should I say remember or remind ourselves that Jesus really is alive, and in any situation we can turn to him and have his help. I don't know about you, how many, how many sometimes find that um, 
you, 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 you don't bring Jesus in, but your default mode is to worry about a thing. You know, you do all kinds of scenarios. I'm trying to teach myself to catch myself before I try and work it out in my head to actually involve Jesus in the conversation. Guess what? He, he knows how to fix it better than I do. In the words of um, the author of a certain book called 40 Days with Jesus, let me read this. Jesus knows more about the fish than the fisherman. He knows more about accountancy than the accountant, more about business than the businessman and businesswoman, more about parenting than parents. He knows more about teaching than teachers, more about reaching people with the gospel than we do. Moreover, he's not just able, he's willing, alive, and present with us by his Spirit, ready to help us in every area of life and ministry. There is never a situation or circumstance where he is not there. I wish I'd written that. Oh, I did. But it's so true, isn't it? He's there whether we recognize him or not. And if we want to experience him helping us, part of it is actually turn to him and say, Look, yes, Lord, you really are here. You really are in my life. You really are with me. I'm not going to try and do it myself. I'm going to ask you to come by your spirit and free me to overcome in this particular situation. That's the first thing. But as Simon shared last week, it's not just that we recognize its presence, but we actually do what he tells us to do. Do you know Jesus is speaking all the time, and he wants us to act on what he is saying. Here in this instance, Jesus appears, and he calls out to them, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. You're going to find some fish. Now, think about this. Here's a complete stranger, at least they, they think he's a stranger, telling them experienced fishermen to throw the, the net on the other side. I don't know whether they, maybe they just, there was something in his voice. They thought, that sounds familiar. But here they are, amazingly. It says, when they did, in other words, they acted on this word, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. How many of you like situations in your life where it seems like you're catching nothing, where there's emptiness, there's frustration, there's futility, to hear a word of Jesus, act upon it, and see an abundance where there was lack, and blessing where there's frustration. Anyone like to see those kind of things? Well, this is the Jesus that we, that, that we serve. He wants to come into our lives, and he wants to speak to us, and he wants to reveal his plans to us. I love how the ESV translation quite accurately um, in, in, uh, translates this particular passage. It says, Jesus said, literally, cast the net, and it says of the disciples, so they cast it. There's a sense of they're not questioning, they're acting on the word, and as a result, they get breakthrough and they get blessing. So my question to you is, have you heard something from Jesus and have you acted on it yet? It's one thing to have him in your life, it's another when he speaks to obey him. Or maybe you haven't yet heard the Lord. Sometimes we say, well, I thank you that you're here, Lord. But, but I, I don't make you, I try and make it a practice on a daily basis to draw aside, to still, to quieten down the internal and external noise in my life and spend time listening to the Lord. Sometimes it's as I'm, you know, reading the word. I, I expect Jesus to give me a word from the word. And then I write it down. Other times it's not just through the Bible, it's almost directly from the Spirit 
into my spirit. Not an audible voice like they heard, but again, there's something incredibly freeing when you hear the, the voice of God. You hear the prompting of the spirit. Maybe just as simple as a little whisper that says, stop worrying, trust me. How many know that will free you right there? Or if you're battling with resentment or a relational thing and it, you, you can feel it, that, that turmoil pulling you down, simple little prompting from the Spirit or a, a, a verse from the Word, forgive as I've forgiven you. That'll free you, won't it? And then you have to act on the Word and, you know, or it may be ministering to others and you see a need or, and God says, give and watch what I'll do. And as we obey him, that's when the miracles come. Maybe you're in a particular situation, you're around people who don't know Christ. And it's not you're working anything up, but you just hear the still small voice of the Spirit say, just share your story of what I've done in your life. Guess what? The miracle's not going to come by you hearing it. The miracle's going to come when you hear it and you obey it. And so the miracle came as they, as they acted, say acted, acted on the Word of God. They put into practice what Jesus said. Now, in this instance, this was an instantaneous miracle. No fish, an abundance of fish. And you say, we want more miracles. But there's also, in the course of life, there's, if you like, ongoing obedience. Sometimes, in terms of real life change, it's not a question of we obey it once and everything changes. Sometimes we just have to keep doing the right thing, keep following the Lord, keep persisting, keep praying, and then the breakthroughs come. Amen? We want instantaneous miracles and we want the ongoing process of transformation. Either way, good news Jesus comes to free us in and from our present challenges. The second thing is Jesus frees us to move on. Say move on. To move on from our past failures. Anyone messed up in any of our locations? Me and a few others. No, we all have, haven't we? We've all messed up at some time in our lives. Sometimes we're very aware of it. Sometimes we may have messed up big time. But what happens is that very often those failures come are attached to them are certain feelings and certain um, spiritual kind of cloud can come on us, like the cloud of guilt or shame or condemnation or fear of never wanting to go there again. And the good news is Jesus wants to come and he wants to free us to move on once and for all from our past failures. P picture I've got in my mind is... You know, it's like a prison door. And sometimes we can be locked in a prison of past failure. And Jesus has come. He's paid the price. He's opened the door once and for all. He's thrown the key away and says, you can go free. Come out. Don't be bound by your past. You know, Jesus loves you too much to leave you stuck and bound from past failure. He's come, and through his death and his resurrection, and by the invitation of his spirit, he's saying, come out of the prison cell once and for all. Don't be held back by your past. Move on, my child, from past failure. And this is what he did, did, does with Peter. You see, Peter's messed up pretty spectacularly. A few days before the crucifixion, on the one hand, he's professing his undying love for Jesus. You know, everyone else may let you down, but I'm your man, Jesus. I'm going to stay faithful. And then a few days later, he can't even stay awake 
in the Garden of Gethsemane. In fact, if you look in Mark's account, um, it records that he actually fell asleep three times rather than praying with Jesus. Far worse, of course, was then he goes and he denies Jesus three times under interrogation. Let's not be too hard on him. I reckon it would have been pretty intimidating, don't you? But how do you recover from a failure like that? And can I say it's so important that he does get restoration because how can we explain the difference between a Peter who's in fear denying Jesus to a Peter on the day of Pentecost who is boldly getting up and proclaiming to thousands the gospel and thousands getting saved. What's the difference? Well, part of the difference was undoubtedly they received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit gives us a boldness that doesn't come from ourselves. But I believe part of it was in this moment, Jesus comes to almost like once and for all say, Peter, you know that deal when you betrayed me. Once and for all, we're going we're gonna to get you out of there because I never, ever want you to, to live in the light of that anymore. It happened, yes, we've got to deal with it here and now, but let, let, let's move on so that you can be free to fulfill your destiny. It doesn't say this in the Bible, but I believe, in effect, Jesus was coming to him just like he comes to you and me and saying, Peter, your future is greater than your failure. Peter, put your own name here. The call is greater than the fall. I have a plan. I have a future for you. And so here's Jesus. He's done the miracle, but the miracle is a way of almost like setting up an appointment with Peter so that he can come and fully restore him. Peter realizes, because one of the other disciples call out, it's the Lord. So Peter, I love this, he wrapped his outer garment around him, jumped into the water. The other disciples, in a slightly more measured way, followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. I think this is beautiful. And I think it may be to do with the fact that probably Peter has already had some measure of healing from previous encounters. But here he is. He recognizes it's Jesus. And he doesn't let, if you like, the shame of what's happened hold him back. Instead, he runs to Jesus. Can I say, if you've messed up, don't run from Jesus, run to Jesus. He's full of grace and mercy. The writer of the Hebrews tell us, tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace. You know, if, 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 you, if, you're, if you're struggling with sin, don't hide in the shadows. Run to the light and let Jesus come and set you free. And so here, he's running to Jesus. And as he's coming, Jesus is getting ready to do some loving surgery on him. First, he, he invites them to come and have breakfast. Can I, I don't know about you, but I, I reckon that breakfast would have tasted pretty good, don't you? There's something even greater than having a miracle catch of fish, but it's having breakfast with the miracle maker himself. For those of you who know anything about the culture that day, to have breakfast, to have a meal together was almost like one of the ultimate signs of acceptance, of friendship, an opportunity to get close. And here, not only is Jesus ministering to their physical needs as he loves to minister to our physical needs, but he's drawing Peter close to him, ready for a pretty serious chat. And so here he starts to face Peter up to what happened. You say, why would Jesus do that? Do you know that one of the keys to freedom is not to pretend stuff hasn't happened. Sometimes we have to face up to stuff 
in order to get fully forgiven and, and get free. You know that, don't you? You know, for those who do things like 12 Steps Program, Alcoholics Anonymous, the basis of our Celebrate Recovery, is the key to freedom is don't deny you've got a problem. You actually have to acknowledge it. And when you acknowledge it, that's the start of your freedom. And so that's some of what's going on here. Can I say Jesus is not reminding of his past to condemn him. That's what the devil does. The devil condemns. Instead, he's saying, okay, once and for all, let's bring this out. Let's make sure that you know you've been forgiven because I want to forgive you and I want to free you and I want to recommission you. And so he does three things by way of reminding Peter of what's happened. The first thing is he's cooking fish and in the, in the Greek, it's, we translate it over a charcoal fire. The only other time that 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 word charcoal fire appears anywhere else in the whole of the New Testament is when Peter is warming himself over the char- by the charcoal fire. And guess what he's doing at that moment? He's denying Jesus. So there's a symbol here. Let's go back there, Peter. How many think Peter probably didn't want to go back there? Secondly, he doesn't ad- Jesus doesn't address him as Peter the Rock. He gives him his birth name, Simon, son of John. What's he saying? Uh, You weren't too rock-like there, were you? And then thirdly, he asks him three times the same question, do you love me? We'll come on to it in a moment. Why? Because Because Peter fell asleep three times and he denied Jesus three times. Sometimes we have to spend time and allow Jesus to draw us close to say, let's thoroughly deal with it, this issue. Aren't you glad that Jesus just doesn't come and, as it were, take the, 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 the fruit of the problem. He comes to deal with the root of it. Some of you know, I'm not a great gardener, but sometimes I have to do weeding. Karen's a much better weeder than I, at least that's my story. So I delegate the weeding to her sometimes. But one thing I have an absolute hatred of is dandelions. Those things come right from the pit of hell. Have you noticed if you try and take the tops off the dandelions, those blighters will be back. You've got to dig them out deep. And sometimes I think God wants to do a deep work in us. Because he doesn't, how many don't want to be temporary free? putting on a fake smile, pretending it's all okay. I love the fact, and I, I know a Jesus who comes. He wants to, by his love, you know, what does the Bible say? Um, he who the sun sets free is what? Free. free indeed. And perfect love casts out all fear. And it's like Jesus wants his love to go deep into our lives and free us, get the roots up and all so that we can really be free. Thank you for your enthusiasm on that one. This is good news. And so Jesus comes to him and he faces up and rather than sort of condemning him and said, Peter, why did you deny me? He said, do you love me? Isn't that beautiful? Do you love me more than these? And commentators debated on what the these are and I'm not going to go there for the sake of time. But Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Second time, Jesus, again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Third time, do you love me? He says, this time Peter was hurt that Jesus said it a third time. Why? Maybe because the remembrance of the denial is all too real. Maybe it's the sting of it. And so Peter's almost like finally at the point of surrender said, yes, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. 
And I don't know exactly what was going on there. We're not told. But I believe in that moment, under the loving, searching, all-knowing gaze of Jesus, in that moment, somehow Peter experienced a deeper measure of forgiveness and freedom that set him free from that past failure that allowed him to go out of the prison door once and for all so that he can fulfill his future destiny. Peter was faced up to something in the past. And it may not be for everybody, but I believe for a number of people, Jesus wants to take you somewhere that maybe you've, you've locked it away. You're trying to deny it, but it's still hindering you. And he doesn't want to take you there to condemn you. He wants to take you there to free you and say, once and for all, let's get this out. Let me forgive you. Let me heal you. Let me free you. Forgive yourself. Let's move on. And let's not allow this thing to hinder you anymore. Maybe a relational breakdown, maybe a financial decision, maybe an area of sin or whatever. And you say, Lord, I let you down. I messed up there. Well, Jesus has got good news. He wants to free you. He wants to enable you to move on from your past failures. You know, we hear all the time stories of people experiencing something like this. I read just this week a booklet full of dozens of great stories of people who've been on a course we run called Celebrate Recovery. And I've just got one short testimony here of a, of a lady. She says, when by invitation of a good friend I first came to Kingsgate, I was broken. I'd left an abusive marriage of 10 years and in, instead of feeling happy and free, I was overwhelmed with grief and guilt. In coming to church, I was taking a step towards a new life for myself and I was overwhelmed by the love and generosity of the people I met. I soon signed up for the Alpha Course and Celebrate Recovery. But my biggest hurdle was to forgive myself. But once I'd come to terms with that, my life began to turn around. I know how life has changed for me now that I have the knowledge that I'm being taken care of by God all the time. I wake up joyful every day, feeling loved, safe, and forgiven. What a great incident. What a great story of somebody going on a journey of freedom. It's the same for you. Your future is greater than your failure. The core is greater than the fall. That takes me to the third and the final um, area where Jesus wants to come and free us. He not only wants to come and free us to overcome present challenges and free us to move on from past failures. Thirdly, Jesus comes to free us to fulfill our future destiny, our future destiny. So interspersed with the threefold question, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? Jesus reaffirms to Peter, the man who's failed, the failure is not fatal. I have a plan and I have a purpose for you. And he gives him a threefold commissioning. So Jesus said, number one, feed my lambs. Secondly, take care of my sheep. Thirdly, feed my sheep. I mean, if you were Peter and you deny Jesus three times and Jesus is almost like speaking in to that moment of pain and in the, in the process of failure, he's saying, I'm affirming you. I'm saying, you are my man. You're going to be a shepherd. Feed my lambs. You are the, the rock. 
You're going to feed my, you're going to take care of my sheep. You are the, the man of destiny. Feed my sheep. And guess what? In that moment of affirmation, I believe Jesus is setting Peter free to fulfill the glorious destiny he has for him. Now, our calling and destiny is, is different from Peter's. Uh, some of you, in fact, the majority of you will spend a lot of your time either looking after family or in the place of work. Many of you, if you like, are bivocational or trivocational. You're looking after the family, you're, you're at work, but also you're serving in the house of God. And can I say, wherever you're at, Jesus has a calling and he wants to affirm over you, you have a destiny, you have a purpose, and he wants to free you to fulfill your unique destiny. And I want to pick up on that word unique. You see, one of the most disabling things, one of the most crippling things that we can experience in our lives is when we get into the trap of comparison. I think probably uh, the culture we live in in social media only, only feeds that. I mean, have, you know, when, when you look at Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, generally speaking, would you agree that people aren't telling you all the, all the worst things about their life? Generally speaking. And so that sense of putting an image on social media, and then there's all the, how many friends have you got? And, you know, how many likes have you got? If you get down that track, it can feed that sense of, ah, comparison with others. It can either be a prideful comparison where we say, oh, my life's better than yours. Or it can be an insecure comparison that says, oh, if only my life were like yours. Can I say we can waste so much time and energy looking at what other people are doing and miss the race that God has for us. And even the great apostle Peter momentarily started falling into that trap. See, um, not a, he's just being affirmed by Jesus. You're, gonna, you're my man. You're a shepherd. You're going to lead my people. And by the way, it's going to cost you everything. Now, if I was Peter at that point, I might wanted to ask a question like, you know that bit about the cost law? Could you unpack that a bit more for me? But the first thing that Peter does when he's been affirmed for his future is he turns around to another disciple and says, uh, Lord, what about him? Just told me about my future. What about him? And I love Jesus' simple response to Peter, and I believe it's a, a word to all of us. And I'm paraphrasing it. Jesus said, don't you worry about him. You must follow me. Can I say there's only one you? That was profound, wasn't it? And only you can run your race and there's no blessing, there's no freedom, and there's no rewards in this life or the life to come if you waste your time trying to run somebody else's race or wish you were running somebody else's race. You run your race in Jesus' name. And don't let comparison cripple you or disable you or drain emotional time and energy. Be secure in who God's made you to be. And like Peter, receive the affirmation of the Father says, this is my calling over your life. And in some of the subsequent weeks of this series, we're going to look a bit more about calling. But for now, I just want to encourage you, run your unique race. I remember a number of years ago, I can't remember why, but for some reason, I was battling with a sort of a comparison with another leader. 
another Christian leader. And just so happened, I think it's been going on for about a week or so, just so happened that we, we were going to a conference in London, and I was sitting in the session, and as the preacher got up, he opened his text. As soon as he opened the text and started talking about the danger of comparison, I felt the Holy Spirit said, and this one's for you. <laughs> Do you ever have that? I mean, pay attention. It was like on the inside, I was like, all my whole senses were alert. Yes, Lord, okay. It wasn't a condemning kind of thing. It was a, a liberating sense of, okay, that trap that you've been falling into, I'm about to free you. And as this, I mean, he preached for about an hour, and then we had a response. The whole way through that meeting, I felt my kind of heart racing, like I could just sense the loving surgery of the Lord setting me free. By the end of that meeting, I went out free as a bird. The Word and the Spirit set me free. As I was to go out and almost talk myself back into truth. No, Dave, you have a unique plan. You have a unique purpose. You run your race. Yes. And positively, over the years, you know, much of, much of my life, I've been able to celebrate other people's differences. Isn't it? Aren't you glad we're, on, we're not all the same? I'm so glad I'm surrounded with a bunch of people who are far better than stuff that I am. And together we complement one another, we cheer one another on, and together we can, as it were, fulfill the ministry of Jesus. Running our race, celebrating with others, covering one another's weaknesses, hallelujah, it's the best way to be. Stay free from the comparison trap. So, as I uh, get ready to, to finish this, let, let, let me ask you a uh, question. What's the number one area as you've been listening, where you feel Jesus is speaking to you about freedom? Is it that you need him to come into a present challenge, invite him to come in, and for you to act on his word? Maybe it's in that area. Invite the Lord to come in and to speak to you today. Secondly, is it about freedom from past failure? Is it time just to visit that one last time? in order to come out of the prison door, never to go back again. Or maybe it's this whole area of fulfilling future destiny, and you need to hear the affirming voice of Jesus, and you need to uh, hear, the, hear the voice of the Lord say, stop comparing yourself with others. Learn to run your race. I've got a great plan. I've got a great future for your life. As you consider that, let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for the incredible love of, and mercy and grace that you display through Jesus and by the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you love us and, and you want the best for us. And so I pray right now, Holy Spirit, you will come over every single person watching and listening to this message in all of our locations. I pray, Lord, that you'll come and do a deeper freeing work in every single one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.